Hello, my loves, and welcome to Raw Empowerment, a safe space to nurture a community that is free of judgment, a space for us to connect on everything that makes us human in its rawest form, and to recognize that no one is ever, ever alone, a space to heal and to grow, and most importantly, a space to love. Namaste. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I just wanted to give a little intro to these next two episodes in that this podcast and this community is made to create a safe space to connect on our experiences and how we can all grow from them. Now, this episode is a little different from the others in the essence that I'm speaking with a friend of mine who hasn't actually experienced much trauma himself, but we touch on the idea of being scared of traumas, relationships, self-confidence, our childhood, and how we can best show up for others who may be suffering, especially when it is hard to empathize. We are all on our own paths of healing, and having these casual conversations help these walls begins to break down and the healing begin. So, enjoy. Welcome to episode three of Raw Empowerment, where I am joined by a fine gentleman that I've known for, what would you say, a grand total of five hours, maybe six? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Since Halloween. That wasn't even Halloween. Yeah. That was like a week before, but we talked like 98% of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at least it was not like you've been in proximity for six hours. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> at least it was in depth. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I'm joined by the lovely Sam Fox, who I, ha- we have a very interesting story of how we met, which is what brought us to this point. And I feel it very fitting because the point of this, this platform and this podcast is strictly to show that when people create a safe space, just two human beings, even if they don't know each other, and they create a safe space to talk about anything it breaks down these walls where people allow themselves to be vulnerable and be open and talk about pretty much anything which you and I definitely did and before we even start off with anything else I want to shed the light over to you and I always ask my co-host what it is that sets their soul on fire most like what makes you most passionate and just kind of give an intro to yourself so would this be it for you helping other people and like getting like, oh, like, like what's... the purpose of this podcast and and I guess like what yoga brings to you and meditation would that be like what sets your soul on fire mm. per se yeah so you, I, for uh, yeah for me specifically just finding a way to have others recognize the light and love that I see in them which I know you and I talked about extensively right. and to just kind of share in that is definitely what sets my soul on fire most that's a hard I like making people laugh, I guess. Yeah, I like maybe making people laugh. Because I feel like a lot of people in my life that I've dealt with so far have been very stressed, which is like whether it be uh, my stepmom or my brother or my mom or something like that. They, mm-hmm. they tend to like overthink things or think the worst. All They play like the what if game all yeah. the time. And I, I find that my place so far in life has to have been to be grounding and to like offer like a different perspective. And it's not that that was contrived, but it was more natural in how I viewed things. Mm-hmm. And they've always been 
thankful or at least they've said they were mm -hmm. and that made me feel fulfilled yeah to bring like a dichotomy to some <clears throat> crazy you know frantic thought process that, that they had to give them a little bit of logical and like calming mm -hmm. was fulfilled me a little bit yeah so yeah Wonderful. Say, I'll say that, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Hopefully that wasn't too much to do. No, that's a beautiful answer. Thank yeah. you. Well, and I find that fitting to also tying to how we met because we, so, okay, so backstory. We met at a Halloween party mm -hmm. and I met you wearing a grandma costume mm -hmm. <laughs> strictly to lighten the mood and make people laugh. And you so were a great looking grandma. <laughs> It's weird because I came from Goodwill. Like yeah. Back now, it's like double recycled grandma clothes. So <laughs> I'll just save it for a rainy day. Yeah. 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 But, you know, as goofy as we both looked mm -hmm. at a Halloween party, we somehow managed to find a space where we, did we, where did we even start off talking? Was it, honestly, I think it was about yoga, maybe? I don't, I honestly don't know. I was, we're, I was talking about that uh, with Dewar the next day because mm -hmm. um, I know that right as we walked in you and Talia walked up to him yeah and you were talking with it within two minutes and that's not an exaggeration you were talking with him and then I was the other grandma and I really wasn't that like too involved in the conversation but then at some point you and I started talking I don't know what exactly it was about and I think you're right it may have been yoga yeah and then I asked you like what kind of what you asked me like what fulfillment does that bring you yeah because <clears throat> yeah. i know that it's a lot more than like do yoga for stretching yeah say something something, <laughs> something, something along those lines but i just realized that the whole time you were talking with a grandma about yeah, right crazy <laughs> stuff i'm glad i changed <laughs> like all derailed as a grandma was standing there <laughs> oh that was too good yeah oh I man think that's what it was i think it was yoga yeah yeah but and then, then you showed me what you had you showed me your page that's and you right. showed me that long quote and then that's what brought up correct. the healing. Correct, correct. Okay, yeah. And that stemmed into a, a probably two hour conversation yeah. about healing and mental wellness mm -hmm. for the rest of the evening, pretty much. Yeah. And for me, I wanna I wanna get your same perception on it. But for me, when we first created that space together, what it was that allowed me to feel so safe and vulnerable talking to you was your genuine interest. You were so attentive to what I was saying, like genuinely listening with a full heart of wanting to know mm -hmm. my story. And also with curiosity as well, like asking me questions, not to pry, but for your own knowledge and how it would match up with your story, which we ended up finding out a lot of our story is pretty similar, which is yeah very interesting. So I, I really want to know what was it about like situation, the conversation, or even me that made you feel so safe and vulnerable? I, I, I think that I, the saying is weird because I don't tend to think of myself as a miserable person, but I think misery loves company is something that is mm. can apply here for me specifically. If, if so, it's just a shared experience. And I found that I related to your trauma, which was losing your best friend mm -hmm. uh, and my fear of losing my best friend, yeah. you know, and it's, and, it, and it, it was something that you had gone through. And it's like, I mean, that's just human nature. If you're, if you fear, feel fearful or anything, or 
threatened or sad or anything you just band together for strength physical strength emotional strength stuff like that so mm -hmm. i think that that was you know on the flip side to to like the the transparency and like the being able to divulge all the there was no holding back it made me feel the same way and that made me realize that like you shared the same you had a lot more experience in it even though it wasn't someone who's blood related it was someone who's you know blood related yeah so it's like it, it helped me open up. i mean i've never done therapy or anything like that but um i think there's a, like a misconception you go in there and therapists tell you they like tell you oh, this i'm going to give you this and that and that or tell you what's wrong with you but I took your experience as guidance through my own thoughts mm -hmm. and I took what you had and I applied it to myself and how it's almost like you can hear a song, right? It has, mm -hmm. you know, 250 words and someone can hear the, these five words and mean nothing to them. And I can hear those five words and I can apply them and they can mean something so specific to me. And those same five words can mean something very important to you, but in a completely different context. Mm -hmm. So those five words were important to you. They're important to me, but in different contexts, I think. Yeah. Yours was post, mine's pre. So I think it was just something that I was trying to derive. Yeah, just some sort of understanding. Mm -hmm. And then how you are coping with it. And clearly you turned it into something that's really positive and, you know, reinforcing for everyone around you. And you, mm -hmm. you radiate it regardless. So I think that that was another reason you can tell when people are disingenuous or I guess not altruistic and truly wanting to know. Like I think a great quality from the get-go that I picked up on is the same thing. Like you are a great listener, like mm -hmm. great listener. And you don't ask leading questions. You're listening and you ask relevant things or, you know, I mean, it really was just like a, like a therapy session. You yeah. know what I mean? That's yeah. what I took it as. So. Well, it was for me too. It yeah. Was and that's what, I, that's what I got. And I think yeah. that's why I became so free-flowing mm -hmm. and and people say that too like therapists are also you know they also have trauma and they, yeah. they, they do that to tell themselves too so absolutely so i think that's you know short story long that's how <laughs> why i felt the way i did it feels so comfortable yeah it's something that i wrestle with a lot it's mm -hmm. not like i said i'm not a miserable miserable person mm -hmm. and i try to going back to trying to be an anchor for people around me that are frantic and mm -hmm. have scattered thoughts and all this stuff it's weird to have these thoughts that i feel completely powerless over mm. and it's because it's actions that aren't my own yeah that's what scares me so it's like if i can't do it if i'm not there if i know that if something's going to happen and it's not up to me it's up to that's terrifying absolutely so, so absolutely yeah definitely yeah and was our conversation one of the first that kind of surrounded around that idea of healing or have you been like pre-exposed to this prior on like your own journey of figuring out like what healing means for you you have a bunch of different methods that you find healing yourself that you have pre-established i don't really have any of them mm -hmm. other than like maybe the gym yeah so you expose those to me mm -hmm. which is you know you have a lot of different platforms I don't have. So yes, yes to that mm -hmm. form. And if it's the other way, have I ever spoken with about this to anybody mm -hmm. and felt healed from it? I would say probably not mm -hmm. other than doer, but it's more yeah. like 
commiserating, not so much with a focus on healing. It's a with a focus on like, what do we do? You know, yeah. like stuck in a dead end, stuck in a, mm-hmm. no one knows what to do. We know it's kind of futile. You know, yeah, I did feel that it, it exposed me to like, like I said, like I gained a lot of insight from someone who has gone through it before. And I think I've never gained that because I've never spoken to the people who's mm-hmm. gone through it. So yeah. Of course, I'm not going to get that from Dewar or from you know, speaking to my brother or speaking to my dad and my mom because yeah. like they don't <clears throat> they, they were you know yeah so definitely so yes and no <laughs> yes and no. so I guess also along with that since that kind of lit a spark from that space when did you start recognizing the importance of it that you like that that's needed just for you and your own process the importance of healing. I think I always know that it was important. I, the question for me is, it's always a fear of the unknown. And I think that healing there was another unknown because mm. it's, it's the same as like, I group it with, you can't plan on how to grieve. You just do it. You just yeah. have to get through it. No one can tell you how to grieve. There's no wrong, there's no right. You just do it. Mm-hmm. It's the same with healing for me I don't know how healing is going to come to me yeah that was just you know right place right time and I was really thankful for it that it happened and Mm -hmm. that's something that I can't account for you know I'm not gonna I don't really think I'm the type of person to go preemptively seek therapy because like I said I don't I'm a happy person in Mm -hmm. general um I don't want to preemptively seek therapy for things that haven't happened yet Mm -hmm. that seemed like to go completely against my mantra of being who I am yeah and it also puts that out into the mm. ether and I yeah. don't want that so yes. I'm okay. not gonna do that yeah but it's always it's definitely important to me mm-hmm. it's always in the forefront of my mind and yeah I try to make my concern about it his priority as well you know yeah. not my concern but my concern for him should be his concern for himself as well mm-hmm. but obviously that's a piece of it that's a piece of it that needs you know yeah for, and by himself you're meaning your brother right and that's the thing too that both of us talked about so extensively is it's coming to terms with the fact that of course you're only able to control yourself in your own free will and the best that you can always do for someone is to remain available to them when you can and know that you are always there for them and like always doing your best for them with their best interest in mind and you doing that shows them so much more grace and love and it allows them kind of like a space like you and I have created where they know that they're supported and they know that they can be vulnerable with you, but it's how they, how they take that and how they move forward with that. Yeah. And I think, I think the the issue that I perceive without having an illness or an illness like that myself is that it's not the same person that is when you're speaking with someone who is facing these issues that they have and they're talking about it with you like I know that this is messed up and I know this and I know this I know that and I just can't seem to get out of this rut and then the person who is being afflicted by that in a different moment it's not the same person you know it's it's that is the illness it's just Mm. it has a chokehold on they're like neural pathways so it's like what you they of course they're logical in that moment talking you that's a logical thing to do so Mm -hmm. it's like 
<clears throat> if you talk to them in that moment, you're appealing to their to reason. They seem like they're really, you know, it's vibing. And then, the, you know, the next day or even the next hour, you see them in a rut. Yeah. Like, well, we just talked about this. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to, yeah. to do that. And I think that's a lot of it, which is sad to say, because my dad is my hero. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it stemmed from, I think there's always a lack of, like, chemical there's a chemical imbalance from the get-go but it's exacerbated by traumatic events Mm -hmm. and i think my dad's personality and mindset and outlook on life definitely did not help with someone who suffers from stuff like that yeah because he and i are exactly alike with like a just it's gonna be fine like just just don't think about it Mm -hmm. and i'm super fortunate to have that ability to turn parts of like my thinking process off and not let it affect me but I can't impose that on other people and my dad tried to and it made it makes them feel like well then I'm just fucking crazy yeah because I can't do that yes and it makes me feel wrong for feeling that way so having you know your entire childhood being told like your dad is telling you that something that you're doing isn't right or Mm. why can't you think that just turn it off yeah it's it's unfortunate definitely and remind me how old is your brother how like your guys age difference two years and four months so he's 28 okay yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. i talked to him about it probably in passing probably four times a week but in Mm -hmm. depth maybe once a week okay like when when he comes to the his like caring Mm -hmm. you know we talk about it nice how long has he been dealing with everything that you've noticed at least yeah, since since he was an early teen, mm-hmm. teen okay yeah i think when we moved away from new jersey mm-hmm. it was a big traumatic event of being taken away from our family yeah and he was an absolute wreck like i've never seen anyone so traumatically affected like that mm-hmm. and i think that was like the fast lane to like now you're fucked up you know what yeah. i mean it's like it didn't it definitely didn't help and since then it's like <clears throat> grade slipping dad's angry you know you don't see what's happening i'm fucked up i'm sad it's mm-hmm. like well that you just gotta do this and then you know you can't get your job you can't mm-hmm. keep a job can't do it. it's just it's snowball one after the like, other yeah, yeah it's just yeah. it's unfortunate so it's so unfortunate when someone like that just needs to be like cared for and mm-hmm. helped and shown that it's like people are there for you regardless like it's gonna be okay and thankfully we've learned yeah. <laughs> as humans but like we learn uh, yeah. earlier than rather later is better. of course yeah so. how did that move affect you if at all just like my dad i mean i at that moment when we moved away i remember being sad but i was only nine hmm. um i remember looking at it in hindsight when he was very affected by it um, you know, like literally sobbing in the bathtub, mm-hmm. you know, like scream crying, we have to go back, we have to go back. I was looking at him in the same way my dad was, like, holy shit, pull it together. Which yeah. in the same sense is like, if you're 13 doing that, it's different than if you're 28 doing it. Yeah. At that point, it's like, okay, listen, like, you got to turn it around for a second. Let's talk about this. Let's do something about it. Mm-hmm. Let's not just cry about it. But you're 13, you're 13 not only are you like going through all this shit yeah but you're going through that on top of it it's like he needed more yes than my dad gave him mm-hmm. and then on top of it me being 
nine you're just like dad like it's like his the two other men in his life mm-hmm. were abandoning him and yeah like, didn't help so yeah it's like yeah i think it's i think it's affected me in other ways though mm-hmm. how so we spoke about it that night mm-hmm. like i think um the ability to be so cold and so self-sufficient in like everything like i it's I'm gonna be fine. Like it's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get a movie or you're gonna die, kind of thing. Like, yeah. Just keep moving. Uh, it definitely ruins a lot of stuff for me mm-hmm. in the sense of romantic because I project that. Yeah. It doesn't help. Yeah. At all. I've only been with one person in my life, <clears throat> not sexually, but just in yeah, a <laughs> in a relationship. Yeah. But it was four years yeah. with one person mm. and uh I think a lot there were definitely issues there physically like a big mm-hmm. disconnect but it's not like I didn't make it worse because I was like you're the same mindset you're yeah. fine like, yeah. you're fine look I'm I'm not mad at you you know look I'm just acting normal you're fine but they need more than that yeah. and I can't show that like, yeah. I actually can't I'm very emotionally cold mm-hmm. and even people that i'm interested in that we're talking you give me no signs you're not picking up anything it's like i'm but i'm talking to you like i'm and it's yeah, weird like, it's like i i just can't like i feel very uncomfortable we talked about that with mm-hmm. my mom like yeah giving me compliments give me tell me this or that i literally feel like i am gonna shrivel and die yeah like, it's very uncomfortable for me so, absolutely I, don't, I think it's that i think it's the way i was raised mm-hmm. uh, I have no trauma in my life <laughs> so other than like secondary yeah um, but it's not me directly so for sure well it's funny too because I think I can't remember if we touched on this but something that I've come to discover through my like other conversations that I've had is how interesting it is that pretty much everyone in our generation has a disconnected family in some way like there's a lot of divorce a lot of moving a lot of moving multiple houses, single parents. There's so many arguably trauma that a lot of our generation specifically experienced growing up. Yeah, there's no roots. Like I could say, I'm from Jersey. I mean, I have a bunch of New York hats right there. <laughs> I've lived here for double the time. I've yeah, here. yeah. So it's like, not really. I'm actually from here. Exactly. Technically, I was born in a Jersey hospital, but that doesn't make me from there. I don't have an accent. I don't know anyone from there past fourth grade you know like exactly. i don't know anyone all my family's now in philly so it's like no i'm not i'm like a poser really it's like <laughs> it's weird but yeah i don't have roots and yeah i think i, I think it is weird it's not normal it shouldn't be normal mm-hmm. to break apart like that but i don't think it should be frowned upon because how can somebody when they're in their mid-20s commit to something commit to a person for life yeah that is really difficult i'm not who i was seven years ago no and i'm still changing every still day changing. yeah yeah even i even in four years i wasn't who i was it's not had nothing to do with her my no. personal goals my per how i thought my sense of humor mm-hmm. everything has changed oh, absolutely so it's like when people say you're not who i was you know who i fell in love with it's not who i'm with today it's true but it has Accurate. nothing to do with you yeah it has absolutely. nothing to do with you it's not it's not really a fair thing to say mm-hmm absolutely no i totally agree but and it's it's interesting in that sense too regarding that 
lack of foundation, if you will, with a lot of our generation's upbringings, because I feel connecting the two between that and self-worth and confidence are heavily linked. And I, I think it's that lack of foundation and stability early on that allows you to feel also stable within yourself, if you will. Because you and I really talked about like self-worth and self-confidence where just as you get uncomfortable with compliments, I'm also just like really awkward about it. You know, like I, or I'll say no instead, like you use humor and you'll make a joke out of it. And I'll just straight up say no, because I don't believe it. Yeah. You know, so it's just, it's wild. So what correlation, I agree with it without knowing or seeing any of like the data behind it, but Mm -hmm. what, that there's a link between lack of foundation and lack of self-confidence. But what, have you seen or what do you know about that link like what um I mean obviously I can only speak on personal experience but for me so my parents divorced when I was seven and my dad pretty shortly after started dating and then my mom didn't so um her house was like the stable house where I was mainly there just because school was closer and then dad moved a lot. So it was never like a solid foundation with him. And then the women that he had brought into his life through his dating experience were by no means good role models and not, I'd say supportive of like me and also for the age that I was like- Even your current stepmom? No, 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 no. She's amazing. So I'm, I'm very grateful for her and she's the exact opposite of the people that he had dated so absolutely grateful in that sense but at that time period when he was dating it was a very pivotal age similar to you and your brother moving it was right around like 9 to 12 which is huge because you're also trying to go through your own experience of self-worth and and kind of like figuring out your weird social status within high school and middle school and whatnot and so my mom's house was this stable house, if you will, because it was my foundation of where like my school was, my friends, and it was, it, we didn't move as much. And then having an unstable side with constantly moving and the feminine figures that my dad had put into my life, it was very toxic for me and my self-confidence because I was already trying to figure that out myself and specifically one of the girls that he dated was very just put me down a lot and would actively tell me that I wasn't worth it or like wasn't good enough so also having that at that specific age it obviously really hindered how long did they stay around for um my dad and her dated for two years yeah and it was right, I want to say, like, 9 to 11. Yeah. Pretty pivotal that's age. Not, that's not <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's those things that happen early on that kind of shift what would be your normal comfort zone. So having that, that one space that you can call home and the two people that you can look up to that you call parents. And, yeah. you know, and, like, and obviously you're looking up to them to validate your worth 
because you're trying to find it on your own. Well, then when you have two, it's almost like you have two identities going back and forth. Oh, for sure. So it's like, that's, <laughs> that's so hard for stability when it's, when it, yeah, you can't. I, I mean, my, my experience was exactly the same as it flipped. My mom was the moving one. Mm -hmm. My dad was the stable one, mm -hmm. closer to school, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, not amazing people brought in. They broke, especially my current stepmom. I will never see why he ended up marrying her, but mm -hmm. that's his problem now. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like when so many people are like brought around when you're that old and you constantly have to like not only measure them up against your parents who at that age you think are like the world mm -hmm. and they are worth everything and they're like well why aren't you just back together like yeah you're great you're great you love each other for 10 years at least <laughs> and just work it out just make it know? work exactly yeah. and it's yeah. like and then you have to measure all these people up for them and you see everything this person does wrong I mean, I'm speaking for myself. Yeah. You have such like a bias against them from the get-go. Mm -hmm. And then not only that, but you have like, you have to prove yourself that mm. you're not like one to be trifled with at nine or whatever. Yes. You know, and it's yeah. like, and that doesn't make it better. Like, I mean, realistically, how often are adults mean to kids that aren't like annoying or whatever? Not yeah. really that often, but there probably are some. Yeah. But it doesn't help if the kid's like constantly something you know a brat or mm -hmm. disrespectful or whatever i'm not saying you were but i was oh yeah you know and that's why my stepmom was awful to us yeah and it i'm sure caused fights between my dad and her totally. he never told us the content of it but mm -hmm. her screams would shake the house you know mm -hmm. it's like it affected everybody she had a, a young daughter that was not even one when they got together mm -hmm. and this poor girl is so traumatized now like not only by the fighting, by the turmoil, mm -hmm. her biological dad just decided, no, like mm -hmm. done with her when she was probably eight. Oh gosh. And so she was adopted by us, but her mom was, my stepmom was so mean to her and she was the sweetest little girl, like so sweet. Mm -hmm. And now she's 15 and does not speak. It's like, you could tell someone she's a mute and they, sh they would believe her. She doesn't speak. She has almost no identity. Mm -hmm. You could say, do you like this food? What do you like to do with this? Yeah. yeah. Like, no, like you said, no foundation. Yeah. Nothing. She doesn't even know about herself. And if she does, she doesn't want to share Talk it. about it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's so sad. Like she's mm. damaged and that, that hurts way more. But it, I mean, if you think about like going back to if a foundation is, you know, a family, the family unit mm -hmm. stay together forever and stay in the same spot. Yeah. So if your parents stay together, do you think just, you know, sticking through the turmoil, just being acquaintances and just toughing it out for you guys once who you were this age, 19 or 20 and whatever, not saying you're 20 now. Yeah. I'm saying I'm saying you're probably <laughs> to move out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that would have fared better seeing your parents grow distant and just know that they're in it for the kids kind of thing? Oh, God, no. So Absolutely not. It? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah. I, I know that for a fact now also that I'm older looking at my my parents just as human beings and dynamically they're vastly different people just how we were talking about us alone in four years dating someone because i shared with you my dating experience was similar i dated someone for like three years and that was the largest relationship i had but 
in that time, you change so much. So much. And looking at them now, they're polar opposites. If they had stayed together, I'm sure it would have been way more detrimental or traumatic to me. Yeah, it's almost like you would, because like when people are together, there are different, they're not themselves, they're not them and them in a relationship, mm -hmm. they're a relationship person. Yes. Like they're not yeah. their own person. It's very weird how yeah. they assume a new identity. Right. But it's hard to set them apart, but mm -hmm. it's almost like if they stay together for the kids, you end up resenting them for not splitting apart. Yeah. Like, look at what this is doing. Like, I, that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. I'm the same thing. My mom and my dad are so different, like so different. I think everyone's of every child of divorced parents probably thinks that. like, <laughs> that's weird. Like I can't see my parents together now. No, but, not at all. Yeah. I mean, it would probably just make it worse, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of things like that now currently that like counterintuitive, but if it were the other way, it'd be weird. And I talk about this with doer a lot. Like it, society in general is so promiscuous mm. you're not i know you said you weren't, but <laughs> it's it's ass backwards that you meet someone and you'll stop the likelihood of you sleeping with them on the first night within hours of meeting them is pretty high and then the commitment comes so you could literally sleep with somebody and then after you can be laying next to them and if you kiss it's weird or if you hold mm. hands, it's weird. Mm -hmm. Or when you're walking them to their car or out the door and you hug them, it's weird. It's like those weird little, the minutia is more commitment than what's supposed to be at the end of the commitment. Mm. It's like, it's so strange how it works now. Yeah. And then it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of on the same track of, of the foundation being, you know, what it should be, but mm -hmm. not what it should be clearly because we wouldn't want that. At yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But I can't imagine it. If we were to supposed to court everybody, mm -hmm. and then you know, at the end came sex or anything like that, I feel like we would almost never progress in the sense of finding our own identity past a certain point. Mm -hmm. This may you. I feel like you're going to disagree with this, and I want to see what how. Yes, please. I'm not trying to predispose you to disagree, but no. So, like, you talk to a thousand people, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say you sleep with most of them, mm -hmm. and then after that, you realize I actually didn't really like them. I just wanted to sleep with somebody, mm -hmm. and you don't want. But after that, after you sleep with them, if you're like still thinking about them, you think, okay, that's a good sign. Like, I actually do like them. Mm -hmm. That's it. that means more than just courting them, courting them, courting them, and then you finally sleep with them, and you go. Oh wow! I actually wanted nothing to do with this person. I just thought they were physically attractive. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you find out more about yourself, like the clarity after <laughs> is yeah. like a lot more than you know. Yeah. Than than beforehand. Mm -hmm. I feel like people are way more biased toward. Yeah, I'll just rough it out, and that's what was me and my ex. Yeah. And I stayed with, with her for four years. I mm -hmm. I had sex with her maybe once. A year. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And I just kept telling myself, maybe if I do everything perfect, everything perfect, mm. she'll give me the time of day. Mm. And then she never did. Yeah. And I, then I resented myself and I resented her. Yeah. But I stayed in it. Mm -hmm. and, and then it was terrible. Yeah. I actually absolutely hated it. And then I realized, you know, without sex, I don't think we'd really get along, like, at all. Yeah. It's weird. Mm -hmm. And maybe with me would have. And I think we would have. I think we're very compatible yeah. with it. Mm -hmm. but it's a huge piece definitely it's very weird 
it's, it's very it's very weird and it's very interesting so like my largest relationship was I could arguably say that like my ex was in your shoes where I just wasn't in a space where I felt comfortable with anyone sexually so and it like it didn't even matter like how compatible we were in the moment but I also like looking back I also had a gut feeling that it wasn't right that I like should not be with this person sexually so kind of going back to how you said like you could know if someone was compatible because you guys had sex you knew before the facts yeah but I, I but I I was I was young enough and too naive of my own experiences where I couldn't recognize that in the moment. So like in the moment, if we, like if things were to get intimate, I'd, I'd be like so uncomfortable and I couldn't figure out why. I just thought I was uncomfortable with sex in general. Like no, but it was just cause I just like, just cause we were definitely not meant to be together yeah. for the, and for three freaking years of it's like torture. just torture. It really, it really torture. was, it was. And it's like, he was tortured in the essence of like, you know, oh, I just want to have sex with her. And yeah. I was mentally and emotionally tortured because yeah. I just like hated myself every second of that relationship because like he was like that too. It's such a weird thing because I can see being in, in both sides of that because there were points where I was in your shoes where if I was like, I had no sexual desire to be with her because I would go, you know what? Even after, even after, you know, the one time a year we had sex, I would look at her and I'll go, it wasn't even worth it. it it's not even, it's not worth all because 364 days a year, I know how you really are toward me and I know how our dynamic is. Mm -hmm. And even if I don't have that on my mind, I know how we interact mm -hmm. and I can completely clean slate my behavior and just treat it like it's a new day. And you still don't treat me how I would like to be treated. Yeah. So when we do have sex, I think, okay, she's just doing a favor for me and mm. it doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. I know you're not into this. I know you're doing it because you're trying to please me or something like that. It feels very wrong. Yeah. And after the fact, I think it wasn't worth all those 364 days of incompatibility. Yeah. So I don't know why I stayed in it for as long as I did. Maybe mm. because I was, there's like a really weird, a sen like a sensation that happened that I would never want to ever happen to like my mindset mm -hmm. ever again but like when I was in that relationship trying so hard and and striving to do everything right so often and it never working out ever and then realizing it's never on my terms and I've none of the power mm. is incredibly belittling. Oh, absolutely. It, it makes me, it made me feel so powerless. Absolutely. And I think she realized that she held all the power mm. because of that. And she would exploit it in very subtle ways in the sense of um, small things in the sense like, Oh, you know, we're going to dinner at my parents' house and I would damn well know I better, better be there. I better be home and ready by the time she said, or that would be a problem. Yeah. And not only that, but if I wasn't, I would hurt my chances of maybe something happening. Mm. But on the flip side, I would go, okay, hey, we're having dinner with my parents. No, nah, I'm just not going to go. I'm going to go out with so-and-so instead. Mm -hmm. And I go, that's so unfair, but what am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. I have to be okay with it because it would ruin my chances. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, would, I would always be on the, the 
I would always have the, the lower hand. Yeah. And it made me feel like really, um, like demasculinized. Yeah. And, and I, not that like having power should be a masculine trait, mm. but it, I had to like completely conform to her will. And then on top of it, beg for any sort of affection Yes. to just get denied. Yeah. And then it turned to like, if I asked for it, she would deny me mm. and I'll go, I tried all that. I tried so hard. Mm. And is it just me? Does she just not like me? Am I not mm. attractive to her? And yeah. I would just, you know, I would resent her. I present myself for being so whipped. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And then it happened so often that I would bypass even asking. I would get the thought and I would become classically trained. I would mm. think, I want to try and have sex. I should ask her. She's going to reject me. I'm not even going to ask. I'm resenting myself. I'm resenting her. Mm. And it, it was that for four years. Yeah. So it was like, she didn't even know I was thinking about it. She probably thought, weird, Sam has no sex drive anymore. No, I do. I'm just immediately bypassing asking you and just yeah. hating myself. Yeah. So it happened for yeah. years and years and years. And it was very weird because even to end the relationship and walk out, I felt like I didn't have the power to do it. Yeah. Because I was like, damn, she's going to be pissed. Like, she's yeah. going to yell at me. Yeah. And, I, and then I was, like, sugarcoating the breakup yep. when I did it to her. Mm. And, uh, but it was the most relieving thing ever. I, that, it was a, a pretty, it was a short road to get, you know, control of my own self back. Mm. But, man, once I did it, I was like, holy shit, I actually made my own decision. <laughs> and she can't do anything about it. Yeah. Like, that is... She can't hold me hostage here. Yeah. I can actually technically go do anything I want. <gasps> like I can go, she can't be mad about it. Yeah. And it won't hinder my ability to go sleep with somebody. Like, yeah. That's just insanity. Like, that is <laughs> Wild. So why was I doing this for four years? Yeah. Crazy. Gosh. But it, it affected it immediately because mm -hmm. I would go talk to somebody and we would get as far as like being in bed, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And the same thought process would happen. Ah. Oh, I touched their leg. They didn't react. Oh, they don't want to. Oh, fuck it up. Mm. And I, I actually left a person's house because of that. And they text me after, why didn't you do anything? I, I actually thought you didn't want anything to happen. Yeah. Like, I did. Why would I invite you over? Why would I do that? Why would I think, I am fucked up. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I'm fucked up. Well, that's crazy, too, because, like, exactly what you said about striving to always do your best and just constantly getting shut down and that feeling of belittlement was exactly what I experienced with my ex, but not in the essence where I was trying to gain anything necessarily, or like tangible, I would say, but more so that stemmed from kind of like my own worries of self-worth, like where I had someone who liked me. So I was like, okay, better hop on it or else no one else is going to like me. So I might as well make this one work. Did he exacerbate that like like making it feel like you couldn't get anyone else oh for sure absolutely but well in a very in a very twisted way because it was very manipulative where he knew in his eyes that I have a good personality and that I'm very good looking and so that was threatening to him because he didn't want me to know that I could go get anyone right. else. He wanted you to exploit it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so I was also, but I was also not confident enough in myself back then where 
I kept getting that constant reassurance that I also was not good enough, but then also only good enough for him at the same time. So it was like this constant, like doing my best. I have to tiptoe around him and like walk on eggshells. I have to say the right thing. I have to look this way, blah, blah, blah. And it got to a point where it was him literally telling me that I like couldn't wear makeup if I wasn't actually going out. Oh, he was like, Oh, like really controlling. Yeah. 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 But it was crazy because it was, stemming from that place of wanting to to i mean still technically get something which was to have a fulfilling like relationship so little that you would just like give it like not give in but almost give up pretty much That's a weird yeah so it was like oddly manipulative but what's crazy sad. is that it's incredible that you were able to find that strength within yourself and like find yourself again in that relationship that was toxic and then make the move to break up. I'm grateful on the other hand, because I was so blind to see that at all, but it was him traumatically breaking up with me that actually made me snap out of it and figure out, whoa, no. And that's what's scary. Yeah. Because now, no, how long ago was that? This was, Three years ago. You think even you think you're still here there three years? But later. the amount of things that I've learned and the experiences I've had in that relationship, I I don't know where I'd be, and that's scary. Yeah, that's you know, because like there are so many things that like I did right after that I probably wouldn't have done, like like travel and experience right. that I wouldn't have done if we were together because he was so manipulative, and that blows my mind because way too early on they were talking about like marriage and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Which is a huge red flag but at the time. It I sounds like a military guy. <laughs> go to the military. No. Oh, like, which is hilarious too. Let's marry you so I can go on to right? like, sit on base or whatever they exactly. do. Exactly. Whatever, whatever they do. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but it was so interesting because um, I like had that envisionment of, us being together forever and like getting married and all these things and where I was at least in that moment in time it I don't think really any other thing other than him breaking up with me the way that he did would have shaken me enough to realize how toxic it was so even at no point in in that relationship did you feel like you were at your breaking point you just oh all the time but I didn't recognize that it was him that was causing it I thought it was all me because he made me feel like I was like fucking crazy. You. Yes. Jeez. So, and that's what, and that was what was worse about the breakup too, is because he prefaced it in that way. Oh, like he made you feel like it was oh. because of you. I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. God. It wasn't like we've both changed and I just don't love you anymore because you're not the person I fell in love with. Type deal. It was like, you're not lovable. Oh my God. Yes. That's really yeah 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 right but i mean it, it took that to get me where i am yeah. now so i'm eternally grateful that's i really i mean that resonates that is, that's the same experience i feel like everyone kind of has to have someone someone that's awful yes yeah <laughs> to, to yeah, know, yeah. Like, wow i don't deserve someone that bad right but uh that it's crazy that like um it takes that some people feel the need to bring someone down to get them to stay. Yeah. That's, that is crazy. Isn't that like weird? you should, you should like, if you have something great, you should cherish it. You know exactly. what I mean? Like make it feel valued. It's so weird. Exactly. You might just do the same thing. Mm-hmm. 
she would make fun of I'd like clearly I like music yeah. a lot and I would have band tees and she would make you dress like a child which is fine I probably do dress like a kid but yeah. <laughs> That's what I like. Yeah. You know, I like band shirts. She exactly. Because I play video games. If you ever, whatever, if you ever do that, uh, like, professionally, I'm never going to show up to your things. She would always make fun of my humor, which is sometimes so hit or miss. Like, sometimes it's awful. <laughs> and it's really awkward, but that's fine. Yeah. Such as humor. she would make fun of the, like, how awkward I am sometimes, mm. saying that the way I speak is awkward and the way I stand is awkward. And, God. Just make me feel like, holy shit, I can't go in public. Like, just be my yeah. fucking protege. Like, this is weird. Like, I don't even want to go out anymore. And then yeah. I was like, you know, I got you, though. And you're, I know you're better looking than me. Like, I know that for a fact. Mm -hmm. So either you have really low standards or I'm not as bad as you're saying. Like, yeah. there's something weird here because mm -hmm. it doesn't add up. Yeah. And I know for a fact I'm not that fucking bad. Like, yeah. I know I'm not that bad. And uh, it makes me wonder, yeah. I feel bad for a person that get stuck there yeah because yeah. i wouldn't want anyone to be stuck in your position or my position absolutely forever no. you know like no. that is like that's hell that really is it hell. really is yeah yeah i was scrolling through instagram the other day and there was a little uh voting box mm. and it was um the question was like oh sleep wake up with two rattlesnakes in your bed or wake up next to your ex and i chose the rattlesnakes i was like do you know what that would entail if i woke up next to my ex the worst the worst we, that we're, means we're still together yeah, exactly. yeah. Or, yeah we're just like or god oh, that would just be so bad so i chose the snakes and it, was, so good. it was like 78 23 oh easy ex. easy everyone chose their ex what i was like you guys must be like 13 or something no like, something weird is going yeah yeah, yeah. Like, no i'll pick way. the rattlesnakes yeah. thank you <laughs> i'll just move slow and dip out of there as soon as I'm <laughs> if they can get you in your sleep you're good yeah yeah that was wow bad. that's a wild yeah. mm. did you have like a pivotal conversation or a moment that brought you to that realization or was it just a build-up over time where like you knew you needed to make a change like with your oh. ex well i mean it was years of just like the, the neglect yeah i i talked to her because it was my, like I said, it was my first relationship, but mm -hmm. what I said before about getting it from my dad, like I really, if I'm not speaking, I'm really not thinking about anything. Mm -hmm. If we were laying in bed and she's like, what are you thinking about? I'd be like, I'm thinking about like the, what the actual mechanism of fan looks like inside. Of me. She's like, that's so fucking stupid. Like, why aren't you, you're looking like you're deep in thought. Like I am, I am deep in thought. So it's not about like some crazy shit that you're thinking about. Yeah. Sorry. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> But I am really am easy to please, and especially if I relay it so often, I would relay it so often to her. I would start the conversation in a serious, on a serious tone, mm. and she'd be like, "If this is about the sex, I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm so sick about hearing about that." I was like, "It's been years, though. Like, if it's a problem, because it was so like overshare. It was. It got to the a point for the first year. It was." fine it was still like every six months and mm. then it got to like once every year a year and a half mm. and she cited like immense pain and i'm like that is at this point whatever with the sex but that is wrong it shouldn't be that painful yeah like, something is wrong there yeah yeah let's go to the doctor yeah like let's go to the let's doctor figure it she's out. like no yeah no i'm not going to the doctor for that i'm like so you're just asexual like if you don't care about your reproductive organs and you want kids what do you think is going to happen mm -hmm. so I mean, I brought it up so often and it just became like, she didn't, she may have cared, but
but I think she cared more about um, making sure that my leash wasn't too far. Like she wanted to see how far she could get away with it. Mm. Like how, how pissed off can he get and how long can we go? And he still won't leave me. Like how far can an envelope go? And yeah. it was four years, you know, like yeah. she, she was calling my bluff over and over again and I was bluffing. Mm. So finally, uh, it got so we were just roommates living together. Yeah. I was not getting any affection. She was getting none either. So mm. it was weird. And she was going out every single night, you know, weekdays too. She was closing on the bars on the weekends. I don't care if she was cheating. She wasn't my girlfriend anymore. Mm. Like it really, there was no love there at all. Yeah. And she was like, we talked about it at one point and she was like, because uh, we argued, I'm like, man, you're going out like every night. Like you're closing down. And then, she came home that night at three in the morning and woke me up and she was like, Hey, you know, I just want to apologize for going out all the time. I know we talked about it, but sometimes I just wish as I was leaving, you would just say, no, stay in for the night. I'm like, that's not really on me to do that. That's not really fair to just be like, I'm going out because you're not stopping me. Yeah. Without so, there also being prior co communication yeah, about it's that. Yeah. It's like you're all done up with like your shoes on and lipstick and shit. You're like, stop me. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, like, say. Yeah. yeah. We take all this shit off real quick. <laughs> like, it's so weird. So she told me that. And then things were fine for like two days. And then went right back to her going out every night. And then uh, she didn't come home till like five in the morning, like really mm. way after bar closed. Yeah. And, uh, I was working the next morning because it was a weeknight mm -hmm. and I kept waking up and I would text her I'm like, where are you? Like, where are you at? Yeah. I mean, I would be fine if you were cheating, just as long as you're not dead. Yeah. Like, just tell me you're not yeah. alive. Are you alive? Yeah. yeah. She never answered. And then I went to work and uh, she texted me. She's like, hey, sorry for going to MIA last night. I was like, that's how I was talking about when I got home. She's like, uh, okay. So I just told her, I was like, look, this is it. Like, yeah. I can't do this anymore. Like we're done. So it was definitely gradual to the point that I was like, this is the time. Like, if it's not now, it's literally never. Yeah. Like this has to be it. Yeah. And when I talk, I talked to my friend, not you, or I talked to another friend, I laid the situation out while drunk, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he was like, he was just in disbelief. He was like, this is going on. Like, how are you in this at all? Yeah. And uh, I know it, some of it sounds like hyperbole, but I, I really, and it may be because it's, it's a while ago it's over a year ago now mm. but i really try to stay as true to what i remember happening but he was like that's just unreal like you have to end it and that was the start that was i ended it within two weeks of him saying that awesome so he was i think he was the kick in the ass that i needed to be like oh wow other people think this is crazy okay i'm not yeah okay validation yeah, yes validation, yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm out of here so because yeah. Dewar never cared for her but mm. he would never say anything because he's yeah. like which in hindsight, I wish he would have. I wish it's weird sure. that best friend spot in that situation is weird. It is because I mean, so you know, Talia, she hated him, yeah, like dreadfully, and made it very vocal. But I didn't listen. Yeah. So like, it, it is such an odd stance because it depends on where you're at too, where it's like, okay, is this actually going to make an impact or not? Yeah, it's weird because it's like you want you lay out. You always say, you always talk to someone else about your relationship when it's going bad. Yeah. And then they have only, they only paint the, you know, see the mm -hmm, bad images. Mm -hmm. And then of course they hate them. Of course oh, yeah, they hate yeah, them. Yeah. That point on, that mm -hmm. like my, her, my relationship status and what is happening with who I'm talking to is only my business. Yeah. I create 
my situations, I decide what's happening. Mm -hmm. And if it truly is something that someone else needs to know, then that's it. But other than that, they can form their own opinion when we're together. Yes. That's the only real way it can happen. Yeah. And even then, I mean, early on within the first year of the relationship, uh, or the second year, we were all sitting around a campfire and one of our old friends, this girl named Claire, she texts Dior and she's like, Selena doesn't even like Sam. She doesn't laugh at anything he says. And I was like, that's a really weird observation. It's a little bit of an overstep, but yeah. that is a weird observation. Mm. And it turned out to be true. I yeah. think she liked me. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Oh my gosh. That's wild. Yeah. It makes you wonder, like, how am I, how am I friends with Dior, best friends with him? I'm with him every day. I lift with him. I live with him. I play games with him. Mm. And I don't really see us not being friends. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But there's something weird when it becomes intimate. Like, the expectations go way up. Right. That's why I, I, maybe that's my main issue mm. is that, like, with my coldness and, like, yeah. that is, I feel like relationships should just be, like, we're friends and we fuck. Like, that's it. it yeah. It should be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. like, if we're, if we're really that close, I would kill, I would die for doing No problem. Hands Any down. Day yeah. And if I have someone that I'm with, same thing. Yeah. But we also fuck at the same time. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Not all dying. Yeah. Or killing, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, it should be like that. It yeah. Really should, Again, that's friends, a plus. Your best friends. Exactly. 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 But sometimes you could, you could seem cold to your best friends. Absolutely. You're you're just, oh, yeah. You, they should know that. And you don't overanalyze it either. Exactly. Which is, I, and that's what's been my biggest challenge since being single is trying to find that fine line where it's it's recognizing that having a good connection with someone is obviously a plus in your life mm -hmm. like having a best friend like you having doer and me having talia like that is such an amazing plus to have and they do so much for you they help ground you everything that a friend should but if you find someone similar to that but then you put it in a romantic context why does it become so much more challenging yeah with just that label on it like why does a relationship to a friendship have such a big difference the expectations change and it's like for what for not for what but for for why yeah 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 for what means it's for a goal for why what caused that like, yeah what caused yeah it to right because uh, i mean to to relate to that my ex and i s spoke we were best friends and i mean that he was she was a step below doer Mm -hmm. for three years we ate mm -hmm. lunch together every single day we talked every single day and it was to the point that i was like i can't even touch her because she's like my best friend yeah and i refused the idea of dating her yeah and it was very weird she was the one that she grabbed my she turned my face to kiss me and it was awkward for me you know like that kind of stuff yeah but then after that it was like the dynamic wasn't the same right and now i'm like okay now it's a thing like i never in it took me 10 months actually mm -hmm. to ask her officially to be my girlfriend even though we were i was at her parents house having dinner and stuff like that like i yeah. was like okay well we're together now yeah why do we need this label right like, can't we just continue on just doing like clearly we're together like, let's why do, we do what we're shit? doing yeah. yeah yeah so i don't know why it changes so much i know it's so interesting and i feel like probably a lot of it's like societal and obviously it's kind of stemming from just looking out to our parents in this, in the sense of, I feel our generation is recognizing 
especially in this time in our 20s that you don't have to have the nuclear family you definitely don't have to go by the books you can do what serves you and if what serves you means never finding somebody and being single your whole life that's totally cool too do you and find that what do you find what do you see plays out most likely for you god um as of right now uh, as of right now <laughs> yeah I, I obviously cannot predict the future and who knows where i'll be in a year from now but all i can say is current like currently i know that i still have a lot of work to do myself on, on yourself on myself on just on my life and myself or like what what do you feel like you're to be in a relationship you feel like you you are you need work on yourself that's a strange question. yeah i know what you mean though but um obviously not for the benefit of the other person right but for the benefit of just me in general and then just i guess indirectly also for the other person yeah. if that makes sense because i i know that i want to get to a space where should my life pan out where I don't end, ever end up with anybody that I'll be completely comfortable and okay with that. Yeah. So I want to take this time now to heal all of me and like be comfortable with all of me. And then similar to just a relationship where you have all these great things. And then if then you guys happen to have sex and now we're together, okay, rad, like yeah. that's a plus. Haha. <laughs> so Technology failed me and decided to stop recording, and we didn't know, but either way, Sam and I go on to talking about the importance of finding love within yourself and confidence in your solitude in life, a space that both of us are currently now in, and we want to be able to show up best for not only ourselves, but how we can be better partners in the future. I know that we joke about our past relationships, it's hard not to, but... Truly, we are actually very grateful for these experiences and these challenges that have presented themselves to us in this life because they have brought us to where we are now and they have really made us see what it is that we deserve. And I believe that it's brought the same love and inner work to our previous partners. We are all human and our experiences shape us. It's just a matter of how we can choose to grow from them. We can all work towards healing and growth and it's these conversations that could be the catalyst to that beginning. And I thank Sam so much for this amazing conversation.